Good morning. Welcome to the Father's Church Sunday School class, the Wisdom Seekers. We are Wisdom Seekers. You know, we were saying that before we really knew what wisdom was. I think that's pretty cool. I'm Stacy Maston, and I'm one of the teachers here at the Father's Church. And it is uh, very much a pleasure and a privilege to um, have been called and asked to teach over these 20 years and the way the Lord has developed um, all of us in this house to learn how to express what God is saying to us. And so I just always give thanks for this opportunity and I'm glad to be here with everyone and for those who uh, end up watching at some point. I bless you all and thank you um, for all that you're doing on behalf of the saints. Father, I pray that you would watch over this place today, um, that your hand would be upon everyone in ministry. Everyone um, is in ministry before you. Everyone should be in ministry before you. Um, our hearts are turned toward you, and we, we just give ourselves for your service today. And I pray, God, that you would... Give me the words to say and, and um, to know how to express today what you've put on my heart and that you would anoint all that we do in your name. Hallelujah. Amen. So you see, um, if you've got your hand out, that we're going to be talking about Jesus Christ. And um, <laughs> this is quite a heady topic, in my opinion. Uh, whenever uh, a couple weeks ago the Lord began to speak to me about this topic, it was in prayer, and it was one of those moments where, you know, you're kind of in this bubble and nothing else is happening around you. You're so caught up in what God is saying, and everything is so real, and every word that he says is expanded. You have an understanding of every single thing that he says. And then you come out of prayer, and later on you wonder what in the world happened in there. <laughs> and you start trying to develop a teaching, and sometimes it works out where it's very clear and you're able to do it because the topic is pretty narrow. But whenever I got in front of my computer to look this up, I was like, yeah, where do I start with this? And he just said, look up Jesus Christ. So I did. And there were about a thousand of those. And then, and this is where I got these verses that you have before you. It's, I don't even know what I was looking for, people. Seriously, it's like if a verse spoke to me, I just put it on the sheet. I didn't really know where this was going at all. But afterwards, I did a study on um, Christ. I did a study on uh, Lord. And each one of those has seven, you know, hundred words to a thousand. And yes, sometimes they're together like Jesus Christ, our Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus, Lord Christ. I mean, you put all those together and you've basically read the New Testament. <laughs> so, so many verses. And it was really interesting. Whenever I looked these words up, I was not doing a deep study. I was just looking at and reading every verse to see what thread or what thing that I walked away from as I read these verses. And it was really interesting that in the Gospels, Jesus is mainly used singularly in that way he's not really called the Christ they call him Lord or they call him Jesus uh, Jesus Christ is mentioned in the Gospels more in John than in the other Gospels but mainly because of Christ being what it is the thing that he um, embraced and committed himself to was ordained to do and commissioned to do he adhered to that and fulfilled it that's how he became the Christ and so when you look at all the references throughout the letters in the New Testament, it's referring to that moment, mostly. The fact that he did fulfill what he was called to fulfill on the cross. And I found that really interesting. Yes, Christ seems to be used generally in a lot of verses. I'm not saying that it's not used otherwise. But you have to know that that's the reference. And then... 
just to give you um, just, a, just a snippet of, of definition on uh, Lord, which is curios. It's someone who's been given authority and responsibility. They utilize the kratos power. They have an unconditional commitment to the ways of God. And they are, they are um, completely committed to the righteousness of God being fulfilled. That is what someone who is, is operating in a lordship manner is doing. And that is what Jesus did. And I found it interesting that, that he was called Lord in the Gospels. So they acknowledged his authority, the disciples did. Jesus, we know, means Savior and Deliverer. He was the Son of God, so he's the man that came to earth. Jesus is. But when you, when you couple Jesus with Christ, Jesus is the Son of God who partnered with the hand of God. We've been talking a lot recently of the anointing. And so Christ being uh, basically meaning to be rubbed with oil, to be anointed. Just a recap of that. It means, you know, that you've got um, to rub the hand. You've got the empty hand. Um, you've got the winter and the storm. You've got the chasm. You know, to partner with the hand of God means to partner with something that isn't anything yet. There's not really a promise of anything except for what he tells you, but to see it with your own eyes, to verify it by any human standards, you can't do it. So to partner with what God has called us to do, to be like Jesus Christ, we have to be those who commit ourselves completely to that endeavor. So having given you some of those definitions, and I may, you know, touch on those as we go through these verses, um, let's let's begin with our, our teaching sheet. One of the things before I begin, just to, just to kind of give you a heads up, because some of the, the titles of my sections are interesting. Um, the thing I began to notice as I looked through the compilation of verses, which I had six pages, so see, I, I pared it down to four. Thought that was amazing, because that's really not my forte. I, you know, as the, as a seer, I like to see the whole thing. I don't want to take anything out. I don't have that gift of honing in on the, on the, um, uh, the main topic. To me, it's all important. <laughs> it's all just as important as the other stuff. But I did. I was able to um, remove two pages of verses. But what I noticed as I read through most of the verses, save seriously three or four. Everything is done by. Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ. So we who are sons of the Father have everything given to us because of Jesus Christ. Now we relegate to the cross, and, and that is where that power came from. That is where that empowerment and that entrance and invitation was actually given to us, but everything that we walk in is through Jesus Christ. And I had to say that I hadn't seen it in that way before. I knew that he was my elder brother. And I can g give you all the descriptors because I did one of the things that whenever I was praying, I just wrote down everything that God said as far as just a word. And then I went back to try to just, you know, tell you about those words. I thought, that is not what you want me to do. I don't know why you did that. But, you know, you can list so many ways. And, and like, he's the word of God. He's the bread of life. And you can just go on down the line, right? But at his essence, he is the very, the very way that, that God provided for us to accomplish everything on earth. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. I'm certainly not diminishing the power and that relationship that we have with the Spirit of God. But there is something to these verses that talk about the empowerment and what we have by virtue of Jesus Christ. So let's, again, let's look at, and that's why I categorized them the way that I did, because of that, that was a common denominator that I, that I saw. So this first verse, 
uh, is truly for me um, the epicenter of who we are. 1 Corinthians 3.11, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And I say that, that to me this is the epicenter because you know that, that Jesus and the Father did this in the beginning before the world began. Jesus was not an afterthought. He was a part of every part of the planning process with the Father. And the Father sent him as a tithime into the earth. And we've spent a lot of time discussing that and, and learning what that means for us. But that tithime is the kemai. And the thing that we've learned about the Kami is that it is that ley line. It is that thing for which we lay down our lives toward, we give up our lives for. It is the, um, uh, it's where the rubber meets the road. That's a, that's a slang. I don't know if that comes from Texas or not, but it should, where the rubber meets the road. But the Kami is what we have laid our lives down for. It is the ley line that, of truth that dictates everything from the throne of God. And I found this verse to be particularly important to me because in First Saturday, the thing that God showed me, and it, it actually wasn't in prayer. I mean, at this time I was in prayer, I, I didn't really sense anything at the time. I was praying, I sensed a lot of things. But if I don't have anything specific, I go to my office and sit down, and I just begin to type my email to Nancy. Dear Nancy. <laughs> Hi, Nancy. And, I'll, and, I'll, and it goes on. But I just sit down, and, and then the Lord just begins to speak to me about my prayer time. And he showed me, as I sat in my office, he showed me this line. And I just saw myself laying upon it. And I recognized that in this time frame that we're living in, that this is, this point of alignment is actually cru crucial for the saints to have come to a determination of being willing to lay down your life completely for the sake of this message, for the sake of uh, people receiving the benefit of learning about their Father in heaven and the privilege they have to partner with him. And so he has those that are ordained to hear this message, and this is something that we have committed ourselves to do. Now, that is an action. That is something we do on behalf of our service for our Father. But the KMI itself and how we lay ourselves down for it is the essence of our relationship. It is. It speaks to our devotion and what we are willing to lose in order to gain what he gives. And everything happens in that prayer room. That is the most important place and the most important thing that every one of us is given the privilege to do, and that is to spend time and to know the Father because everything that we become happens there. I'm up here. I don't become while I'm up here. I became before I came up here. So everything that we do, that point of relationship and that place of Kami is where we all exist with the Father if we choose to. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is Lord, and this verse, and, and the verse that you see behind me, that every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
this, <laughs> this really is our partnership with Jesus Christ. We have bowed our knee and our tongue has confessed. And then we have entered into this partnership. And we, we desire to see the saints and those who have call, been called to be saints to step into that partnership. But despite that, every knee, every knee that does not become a saint, every knee that does not bow in relationship, or I should say to accept the relationship, there will come a time when every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And I think we're going to see that. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 13, 14, it says to endure ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. His authority and partnering with Jesus, our elder brother, in the anointing. So that we can fulfill what God gives us, but not fulfill our own passion, our own lust. And the thing about that is that we look at lust as if it is something that someone else has done because it's it's going to be really awful it's going to be um, something that is so obvious and that we can keep ourselves from that worldly lust but I believe that what one of the things that God has been doing in this season is really showing us any other passion showing us any other thing that is competing with our walk in him, competing with our relationship with him. You know, we may give up our big agendas, and we may give up our big dreams, and, and we said that 20 years ago, you know, I'll do this or that, and, and I laid down all these things. But I have noticed that I still have a lot of things that I like. I have a lot of things that I prefer. I have a lot of things I wish I would be. I was doing. I have a lot of things I didn't. I don't want to do. And I, I pretty much rule my life by those preferences, by those, and those are all lusts of the flesh. They are. They're all the things that belong to me. And they're little, and they don't hinder my seeking the Lord. Mostly, I bet there are some that have hindered me. So what is God doing? He's saying, what is the most important thing to you? And this has been, it wasn't a literal question. It's just something I recognize I'm pondering over these many months in my prayer time. Because really what God has shown me is that the prayer time, I mean, gosh, we've been praying for so long. And I'm not saying that I never knew this before. But there are degrees and levels of understanding that we all come to, right? So I'm just saying in a more, you know, deeper way. Understanding the importance of just that commune. That that's the thing that I have. And that's the only thing that I need. And that's the only thing that I should want. Outside of that are all these things. Some of them have to do with ministry. Some of them have to do with taking care of your finances and your family and your job. I mean, they're all out there. Life, life is out there, and we're here living it, though we're not supposed to be of it. <laughs> but so often we are of it. So I just say that we need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ this putting on is, oh, I didn't tell you the definition. I'm so sorry for lust, is to have a longing to set your heart upon something. You know, you may only like to minister in one way, and so you set your heart upon that. You may only like to do certain tasks a certain way. That's setting your heart upon it. And that's the problem, is that if you think that what you desire and how you desire to do something is also the way God has told you to do it, it's not the same thing. I'm not saying that you can't like the things you're doing for God, but I just noticed that most of the things I do for the Lord are the things I don't like. 
Kids are hard. Teaching is hard. I, I get very upset to my stomach when I have to teach. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to go through to come up here. But so I don't like it. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to do it, and I don't. And I'm, I want to do it to glorify Him. I want to do it as an obedient person, you know. And I want to do it because I have a desire to to help people. If anything, I should possibly say might do that. But it, I, I don't like it. I don't like some of the processes I have to go to through. But I sure am glad that God makes me go through them. So what am I trying to do? What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say if I put my heart, if I set my heart upon a worldly lust, something that's not of the Father, we have to submit those. I don't think I'm going to need four pages, do you? Seriously, I'm, I did not know what I was going to say coming up here, so you just need to know that this was not premeditated. <laughs> so let's move on. How about that? By Jesus Christ, John 1, 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So we have grace. We know we have grace. We've stepped into this partnership of grace. And we have truth, those things that God has released to us, those mysteries that he's uncovered, and he's, they're no longer hidden. So they're things that we're able to, to take into ourselves, and, and we become... We become these revelations. We become these mysteries. And we receive these mysteries. And we receive this grace by Jesus Christ. And I know that this partnership of grace that we are in and, and the things he has revealed about that very partnership and the way that his grace moves within us and on our behalf has truly changed our walk in these in these last seasons, these recent seasons, don't you think? I mean, we went from, it's almost like, you know, we went along these 20 years and then bam, I mean, just things began to explode in understanding because all the things he had previously given to us brought greater understanding to the things that, I don't know, who knows? It's just an amazing blessing. But we're walking in grace and truth in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things. We're of the Father. But we are who we are by Jesus Christ. I think that's really cool. Ephesians 1, 3, 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. These spiritual blessings in heavenly places in that commissioning, in that place of partnership as a Christ-like one. We had pneumaticos blessings. And we were afforded the opportunity to partner in these heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, those who partner with God for restoration and to bring those things that are, that are evil into a place of purpose, twisted into function, and those things that are not into a, a place of being. That is our partnership of holiness and without blame before him in the agape. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. So we were adopted as children by Jesus Christ unto the Father according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted which is also um, a derivative of grace. Grace in the beloved. Agapeo. We're going to see a lot, a connection between the grace and the agape and peace. I mean, these are integral facets of understanding and partnership that we have in walking in 
the fullness of what we know about these topics. I mean, God can still reveal things about grace. He can still reveal things about the agape and his peace. And, but to this point, we fulfill those things that God has for us in our walk with him in grace, in truth, moving in his agape and accomplishing the task that he puts before us. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. So through Jesus Christ, or by Jesus Christ, we have this wisdom and prudence. And I, I do believe that, you know, we had a lot of things that the Lord had given us to do this year. And, you know, we put our hand to the plow toward those things and had made those arrangements to fulfill those things. And we all are in agreement, because I've heard it said many times through almost every one of your mouths, that we know God is using this season and that nothing that has happened has surprised him in the least and that he is using it according to his purpose. And, and quite frankly, I feel that the time frame itself is ordained of God. And that we are walking in this partnership being developed in ways that could never have been done. We have not, could not have been changed had we proceeded with the plans as we saw them at the beginning of the year. Does it mean that God's uh, anointing wouldn't have been on it and that people would not have been changed and blessed that we would have ministered to and that we wouldn't have been um, developed in this season because God uses everything for that purpose. But there is something quite particular about this time of readiness, which is what Pastor had said over and over and over again before this season even started. Because, you know, we were already fasting before the pandemic hit at the seminar. And he was saying, this is a time of preparation. We're, you know, the Lord is making us ready. And I just think that that is um, what he has done has been more beneficial than what would have been done in the other way. Just saying. Just saying, folks. Because in all things that God does, they're good. <laughs> they're done according to his purpose. And there's nothing that the enemy can do to change that. He can't take anything away that God does not ordain to be taken away. And if God has ordained it, isn't that what we want? Ultimately. But this word prudence is phroneo. Well, it actually comes from the word phroneo. Um, and it means a mental action to exercise the mind, to rein or curb in your feelings or emotions. So being given this wisdom, and I... And that's why I said all that, because you talk about wisdom, and we're in the year of wisdom. And in God's wisdom, in this year of wisdom, he is teaching us more about wisdom than we could have otherwise learned. If, if wisdom is shining the light into the darkness, to me, when you, when you put a light upon something, you expose what something is. And I feel like that the enemy has been... Um, maneuvering and operating in darkness, in shadows, in secret. But if there has ever been a light shined upon, shone upon what he's doing, it is right now. He is shining his light upon so much evil that didn't just start in 2020. It has been going on for so long and his tentacles have such a far reach, and God is exposing it. Because you think about anything, if anything is going to change, it has to be exposed for what it is first. 
So God's light and his wisdom, and this wisdom that we're partnering with, that, that wisdom is bringing to light all the things that God is going to address. And this prudence is, is something that we must have as well because we have to be able to deal with all the emotional stresses that come with the, ex the, the um, expose of all the evil. Because I don't know about you, and I don't know about Julie too either, but all I know is, is that when you see the stuff that's going on, you almost wish you didn't know about it anymore. Because knowing about it is kind of a scary thing to see how powerful and how evil people are and the power they're able to, to will to, in order to control the world. Seriously, in a blink, the world was changed based on the topics that we're all familiar with. So did you ever see the way that the enemy was going to institute 666? You know, the mark of the beast to get people to lay down. I mean, did you ever foresee how it would come about? No, God is showing us. That's the light to me and to the darkness, to things that have been going on that are being exposed. And we have to rein in and curb how we feel about it. We have to be completely submitted to the Spirit, not reacting to the things that we see because he is making known to us the mystery of his will for us according to his good pleasure which he has purposed in himself all of these things are according to his purpose and we partner with Jesus and I think even in this day we're going to find that partnership more alive and more real than we have ever known regarding Jesus Christ we have, we have knowledge that he is praying at the right hand of the Father for us. But what is it going to mean to, like, ride with him, to be with him? I don't know. I think we're going to find out some things as well about this uh, partnership with Jesus Christ um, in our day. I think that we are. Philippians 1.11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. Righteousness, righteous vision, um, we're all familiar with that. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. According to the riches in glory. Because of Christ Jesus, by him, our supplies, the supply of our need is going to be met. See, I think that that is amazing. And, cre and the need word need there, you see, is uh, crea. It, is, it has that same lineage of partnership with the hand. And this is according to the riches in glory. And we, I don't think, as well, have not experienced the glory in the way and partnered in the glory in the way that we will be, the things we're going to see. These connections, these connections with Jesus Christ in the glory are going to become so real and so real for our walk. But we have will have no need that will not be supplied through God. So we don't need to worry or fear. We can't worry or fear about loss because we think we have a need for, for things that the Father knows we don't actually have need of. It's just something that we think we have need of. And I think that, you know, some of those things are going to begin to uh, become less desirable, less necessary. I had a conversation with someone recently about my thoughts about buying a couch, you know, and some new furniture before Scott retired. That 
that's what we do. We plan. We have a house. We, you know, we think about when the next car we're going to buy, you know, how many years we're going to drive this car, and then we're going to get another car. We think about those things. Those are just things we think about. I don't say that it's bad. But certainly after all this, I'm thinking, am I really going to need a new couch? You know, so that's what I mean. It doesn't have to be, you know, some, some big thing. It's just, it's just part of life that we put importance on that we're going to kind of realize that as the days progress, are not really going to hold the same value to us. I still want to get a couch. I just don't know if I will. <laughs> just being honest. I know I don't need it. I do recognize that. Ephesians 3, um, 9 through 13. And to make all men see what is the koinonia of the mystery, which from the, the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Christ Jesus, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. What is going to be on display? We are going to be on display before the principalities and powers so that the manifold wisdom of God will be known according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith in him I'm sorry faith of him wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you which is your glory so we know that we maintain our relationship and we we receive that righteous vision and we are changed and all things happen all the things that we can't really we can't even describe all the things that the spirit does when we're at the right hand of the father but that is the access that that Jesus Christ provided for us and Paul says to the Ephesians, not to faint, not to fall prey to twisted purpose, to the corruption, and to, you know, this, the word faint, ekakeo, ekakeo. <laughs> Sorry. It seemed funny in my head before I said it. Um, is a crusting over. So you think about anyone or anything that is not being used that there's a crusting over that happens, you know, to dull down the senses and to keep you from having freedom of movement. That is this word kakos. And they, he, was, he didn't want the Ephesians who were aware of his tribulations to fall into uh, the corruption of the world, to begin to operate in twi twisted purpose, or to stop altogether because they were fainting. They were giving up and therefore being crusted over. And then therefore not functioning. That word for tribulation we're very we're familiar with. We, we're so familiar with it. <laughs> we're intimately acquainted with tribulation. Pressure to crowd, to afflict. And that root word, uh, tribos, uh, which means to cause a rut or a worn place because it's just, it's just so worn down. It's rubbed to such a degree that there's a rut. You know, these are things that we are acquainted with. And when we see anyone going through tribulation, we cannot faint because of the things that we see other people going through on behalf of the gospel in service to our king. So now we're going to look in, uh, in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1. What time is it? Okay. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Really, I just left this in here because we, just to, almost as a declaration, is just to say, you know, if ever there was a time we need to be walking after the Spirit, 
It is now. We cannot walk after the flesh, after the things that our, that our flesh desires to do. We can't react in the flesh. We can't be in fear. We can't, you know, we can't act out in anger. We can't fall prey to the dialogue and the narrative that is being released by the enemy through people. We have to walk after the Spirit. We have to continually submit ourselves to what God is saying and how He is dictating our actions and, and particularly giving us discernment regarding what we are seeing. Romans 8.35 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ, that agape of Christ? Think about the Christ, what it meant, what it meant for Him to completely give himself. We can't separate ourselves from that agape. Shall tribulation separate us or distress, which is a word that comes from esteme, so I would say it's a pressure point in your esteme. Persecution, famine, nakedness, peril or danger, or battle, which is what sword, the sword generally represents. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted for sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that agape us. For I am persuaded that neither death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present or things to come, no height, depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from that agape that comes from the Father through Jesus Christ. The love of God is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is that example of the agape, the perfect example of the agape. And we follow after him in that. 1 Corinthians 1.30 But of him are you in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Again, these words, wisdom, righteous vision, restoration, holiness, redemption. We, he paid the price for these things to be given to us. We have been bought. We, it's done. And we walk in that power. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good agathos works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So we are the Father's workmanship. We've been created in Christ Jesus for the agathos works, those things which are beneficial to the plan and purpose of God. And the Father has made us ready that we should be able to walk in these things. In the path, the pio, to tread upon the path and the plan of God. He has ordained us and made us ready for this. There is nothing that we have walked in in the last 20 years that we were not made ready for. Now, I say to those who fell away or left this fellowship discontinued in the making ready process. And we did see evidence of that. It's not that we can always know when people are praying or not praying, and particularly in this hour, but at the time, everyone was coming to the church to pray every day. And when that ceased, we soon saw that they were no longer happy. So they were no longer being made ready. There's only one way to be made ready, folks. It's not to be teaching. This is not making me ready. Well, I mean, I know it's a development. I'm not saying that. But there's something that happens within us that is the most important part of us being willing and able to fulfill what God is asking us all to do on that KMI. See, the KMI exists for all of us, but it is singular also. In that it's, you know, this is my KMI. I lay myself down for this. And you can say it's your identity, your calling, your, the plan of God for you. 
But that's where we do it. And by virtue of that, and that, and that faithfulness to that, there's a development and a readiness that is given to each one of us. Well, we did make it to page three. <laughs> okay. Ephesians 2, 13 to 22. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enemy, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby." And came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For though, for through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together grows unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Do you know the thing that, that the Lord spoke to me about this when I read this verse was that this was our first mission of peace made possible by Jesus Christ. Jesus reconciled us to the Father, and our journey to become part of the household of God was our first mission of peace that was accomplished. I think that is so cool. And we're not just of the household of God. We are growing together into a holy temple, a habitation of God. And our missions of peace continue from this point. And they are in Christ Jesus. We fulfill peace in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let this mind, or phreneo, we've already defined that, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So in our mind, in the activity of our mind, and as we exercise our mind, and we, we make determinations about all of our actions and our thought life, um, here we have really... Um, the answer or the remedy for all of us, and that is to humble ourselves and to be obedient unto death, to be able to die to ourselves so that we might fulfill that which God has ordained for us to fulfill. But it's in the mind. It's in the workings of the mind, the activity, the exercising, and all of it goes on within our minds that dictate our ability to fulfill this calling. 2 Timothy 2.1 Thou therefore, my son, be strong. Be in, that's the dunamis. In dinomu, mo'u. There's a lot of O's there. And they all have their own syllable. It looks like Portuguese. I'm just kidding. But be strong in the grace. We've been endued with grace, folks. This is our empowerment, our empowerment to overcome and to move forward and to fulfill these things. Of Jesus Christ, Philippians 3, 8 through 14. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellent... Just listen. <laughs> I need some water. Okay. 
for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Boom. And do count them. I changed that word. Did you notice that? It's not butt dung. I changed it to as dung. Because <laughs> I didn't want to say butt dung, but then I said it anyway. I think that's hilarious. That I may win Christ. To win Christ, to be one who walks as an anointed son, we have to lay down everything, suffer the loss, and count them as valueless. I mean, saying something is dung is pretty much giving it the very lowest of the totem pole in, in value, wouldn't you say? <laughs> counting all things, suffering the loss of all things, and counting them as dung, so that I can walk as an anointed son. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, not my own dreams and visions, which are of the law, but that which is through faith, pursuing the Father and Christ Jesus at the right hand, I will obtain the righteousness, the righteous vision, which is of God through this commune at the right hand, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship, koinonia, of his sufferings. Made com being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, for that which also I, I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and lost reaching forth unto those things which are before me. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And the word sufferings, pathema, that you see in verse 10 is a hardship. It's an emotional pain or influence. We will koinonia, in the hardships and the emotional pain that our Lord Jesus Christ suffered. Because we are being made conformable unto his death. See, life will not come to any of us without this process within us. And it should be our one desire as we come before him to be willing to lay down everything for that precious relationship and for that precious calling that we have with him. Sufferings comes from a root word, pathos, meaning a passion. Your passions are going to be tested in these sufferings and hopefully refined within them. Let me see what my, my clock says here. Okay, five minutes. Five minutes and counting. Ephesians three fourteen through 19. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of of God. Strengthened with might. I have uh, provided the Greek words krateo. <laughs> that's, a, that's another OO. Um, which we know is the Kratos throne, the ultimate power that comes from the throne. We're strengthened by the power that comes from the throne with the dunamis by his spirit in our inner man. This is completely inside. 
This is not even about having the dunamis to do exploits. This is the dunamis that God provides for us on the inside that changes us. It aligns us with his throne and then changes us according to that throne to make us perfect. Perfect in love, in his agape, moving, you know, like a well-oiled machine, not striving and thriving and trying to vie, but in love, the love of Christ, so that we can be filled with the fullness of God. And this is the only way the fullness will come. Look at verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. You want to keep Christ in your heart? You have to be at the right hand in commune. To be rooted and grounded in that agape. Sounds painful. <laughs> and it is, folks. It's the best kind of pain. I'm going to go down to through Christ Jesus, Romans 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So we're standing in our esteme. We have our communion at the right hand of the Father. We are afforded this grace in order to continually move forward and to be promoted into those realms for which God has ordained for us to um, exist in and to function in. And this peace is with God. On that justified by faith, that's righteousness. Justified is um, just a derivative of the word for righteousness. So we have, again, this connection with being given a righteous vision as we seek God at the right hand. We have that peace fulfilling the missions that he puts before us through grace. Amazing, amazing verses. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep you, sorry, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This word keep, and again, I want you to look. These last three verses talk about the peace of God. But the word keep is not terio, which it generally is. It's pro oreo. And if you know the word, the, the prefix pro, it means, you know, looking ahead, um, always looking forward. So it means to be a watcher in advance, to stare at and discern clearly. This pro oreo is the ability to, to discern the things that are coming and therefore, your heart and your mind are protected. So, yes, things will be coming that surprise us. But the pro oreo really has more to do with a spiritual seeing, a spiritual understanding of things that are coming. So you may not know that a pandemic was coming, but spiritually, I feel like that we had that pro oreo that kept our hearts and our minds because we were spiritually prepared to handle something that was so frightening for so many. And the last verse, Hebrews 13, 20 through 21, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So the word perfect, katerizo, to complete thoroughly, to repair or adjust. God is working in us through Christ Jesus. See, Christ Jesus is involved. Through Christ Jesus, we are being repaired. We're being adjusted. We're being prepared. This is well-pleasing. You, you are restos, fully agreeable. The Father is on it, in it, all about it. It is one of the most um, 
prolific things that I think he does in every person's life is this work, this work of regeneration within all of us. It is the work of our Father through Jesus Christ and probably by the power of his Holy Spirit, I dare say. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your attention. and God bless you all as you endeavor to serve God in these coming days. I know that we are going to be called upon in some pretty fantastic and probably unbelievable ways that we've not seen before. And so I pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ would be with you all and that you would submit yourself to your Kami and what God has called you to do, that you would accept his plan, that you would not strive with his plan. I'll say one more thing I know now I'm going over, but the thing about being dissatisfied is because it, you think you're get, not getting something that you want. That's what dissatisfaction is. So you have to decide if God is enough, if what he gives is enough, or are you going to be dissatisfied because you want something else? And that wanted something else can be anything. It can be in any part of your life. It doesn't have to be at the workplace. It doesn't have to be at the church or at home. It can be in, in any way, in some way, that you feel like you're not getting something that you want. You have to release that to the Lord. You have to count it as loss and of no value. But... We can also be surprised by the, thing that the, the things that the Lord gives us when we lay things down. I mean, it's pretty amazing. He's a God of blessing, wouldn't you say? He's a God of goodness. He gives us things that are better than the things we wanted, thought we had to have, thought we needed. Anyway, I thank you all and I bless you all. God be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>